You're listening to the Metro LA Podcast, an official podcast of the LA International Church of Christ. Amen. So, so we're going to start to today um, with the Gospel of John, and this is this is really great. I'm excited about this. This is, uh, uh, you know, one of I was I, I want to say one of my. Um, and it kind of depends on what time of year you ask me. I'll probably say something different. But typically, historically, John has been my favorite. Um, it's one I've always gone back to. And in our fellowship of churches, when people start to to be interested in Christianity or want to learn about becoming a Christian, we always have them start with the Gospel of John because of uh, you'll see why as I introduce it, as I give you some of the background. What we're going to do today is we're going to go over a little background on John. And then hopefully at least be able to get into the first part of chapter one. And, uh, that's where we'll try to start. Uh, um, we'll see how, what the pace is going to be. Uh, I try to keep these, uh, broadcasts to 20 to 25 minutes. And, uh, I'm not sure yet exactly how far I get in 20, 25 minutes. And part of it depends on the chapter. Some, some chapters we just touch on lightly a spot here, a spot there. Some chapters we're just going to go line by line because they're so rich. They're so dense. I mean, every line in the Bible is fantastic. Everything that the Bible says is great. But, uh, you know, there's certain things I'm going to highlight. Um, and then other things that I'll just briefly, uh, just kind of touch. But, uh, there's some good things to know about in the background of the gospel of John. John's gospel. Um, there are four gospels, as, as I, as I mentioned earlier that and, uh, of course they are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? And they're the four portraits of Jesus. And the way I, I always explain to people is it's kind of like if you're, if you're looking at a house, you know, whenever, when you go to buy a house, you, you're, you're looking online and you're looking at different houses and of course you want the front shot. You know, you want to see what the house looks like when you drive up to it, but you also want to know what the back looks like and you want to know what the sides look like. And to do that, you, you can't tell, you're not going to know a house just by the front. And, and interesting enough, the way God has set up the gospels is you have basically four different views from four different perspectives, right? You've got the Matthews, you've got Mark's, you've got Luke's, and then you've got John's. And they're all three pretty different. However, I would say, and, and this is historically a pretty big deal. Um, the three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are very tied together. They're called the synoptic gospels, or they're the same view, synoptic, syno, mean attached or connected, and optics meaning, um, uh, view, right? Synoptic. They have one view. They have an, a, an attached view of, of what Jesus was like. So there's a whole lot more overlap between Matthew, Mark, and Luke than there is between the, them and the Gospel of John. John's Gospel is very unique. It's very different than the other three. Now, they, there's, there's obviously, we're talking about Jesus, same Jesus, same life, same everything, but a very different view. And uh, as we get into the synoptic gospels after we do John's gospel, you'll see what I mean. Um, so let me let me go ahead and jump on into a little bit of the background. And and let, and let me say this as we jump into this is as believing Christians, we believe that the Bible is inspired by the Holy Spirit, that God gave it to us, right? Now, 
we don't believe that the Holy Spirit just handed over this leather-bound book, you know, all set up for us with chapters and verses and the leather bounding and all that kind of stuff. It came together. We put it together in this form. Uh, it, each part of the Bible, every book in the Bible was written by somebody. And first Peter tells us as, as they were carried, uh, Peter tells us as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So yes, the Holy Spirit gave us the Bible, but he used people. He uses people or used people back then to write down the gospel and to make sure that we got it right. Um, the, each gospel had to be associated to an apostle because we knew the apostles came with Jesus. They were trained by Jesus. They could verify. Did Jesus really say that? Did he really do that? Is that what happened? Even Luke's gospel and Luke as a Gentile was not one of the apostles, but he says right at the beginning, he researched it and basically got all his information from the apostles and from what they wrote to make sure that it was accurate. You know, so Matthew's is tied to Matthew. Uh, Mark's is tied to Mark, but Mark was an assistant to Peter. So you're getting kind of Peter's view. And then John was John, you know, the, the beloved apostle, right? So, um, so we can count on them that these were, these were written by Jesus. There are other books out there called the, the, the Apocrypha. And those were, they have the same titles. They're called the Gospel of Thomas and the Gospel of Mary and the Gospel of James and, and, but they are not real gospels. How do we know that? Well, one, they pop up later, not during the life, uh, not in the first century when these gospels were written. These gospels were written by the apostles, you know, basically right after Jesus died over the next 30, 40 years. Those gospels were written after the apostles died, you know, and, and clearly were not written by, by the apostles, um, even though they bear some of their names. And there's a lot of different ways to tell. Um, some of them clearly cut and pasted from the gospels. Some of them are show influence of other philosophies and other schools of thought about religion. Uh, some of them, the language totally gives it away. For example, if I made a movie about soldiers in World War II and they were giving each other high fives and saying, right on, you would know that that movie had to be made later because people didn't give high, high fives and didn't say right on in World War II, right? We, you would know the time period it was created by the language and by the by the things that they were doing. So you can know that also from the Bible. You can know, especially with Greek, because it's closer to recorded history and we have a lot more material to compare it to. We know by the language, how do people speak Greek in the second century versus how did people speak Greek in the first century or the fifth century? So there's different ways to find out how old is something and is this real or not? And there's good, solid ways to know that Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John are the real gospels. And those other ones that you can get at Barnes and Noble, they're not real. And they're, I mean, you can, you can read them and, and you, and you know, there's just weird stuff in them, you know, weird ideas. And we're, and clearly they, some of them were written with a specific agenda and axe to grind, you know, and, and they're, they're just off. So, the, so you can be confident that the four we have are the four we're supposed to have. And it's a wonderful thing because if you, with those four views, you get a view of the whole house, so to speak. You know, if you only had one window to look in, 
you know, if you've ever tried to look at a house and the realtor wasn't there or something, you can only see so much, right? You can only get uh, so, so much view. But if you got a bunch of windows to look in from the different four walls, great. You get a view of what the, you know, what things look like from all over the house. Or another way to look at it is if you had four blind men touching an elephant and describing it, one would say, oh, he's long and thin like a snake and he's flexible. Another would say, no, he's big and flat like a wall. And, you know, another would say he's round and, you know, depending on what part they're touching, right? But, but to understand the whole picture, you'd need all views. So, but John again is very unique. Okay. So we'll, we'll jump into this. Um, so John's gospel was written late, probably 8090 to 8095. Um, <clears throat> this is the last gospel. The others were written much earlier. And when we do the synoptic gospels, I'll, I'll talk about that. But, um, so John's was the last one written, written much later, very different. Um, uh, the author is John the Apostle. Um, he's considered or called the, the beloved disciple, the one who Jesus loved. And how do we know that? Well, because John recorded that, you know, John calls himself the one that Jesus loves. And there's these little cool things in there that you know, that they're just, that they, they give you a taste of the author's personality. And again, that doesn't take away at all from the Holy Spirit's involvement. But, uh, I love it because you get to know a little bit of the author too. You get to know a little bit about John. You know, that, that he says, Hey, look, I'm the one that Jesus loved, you know, and, uh, and he calls himself that. And there's several verses, John 13, 23, John, uh, 19, 26, 27, 20, verse one. There's, there's several places that they're, they're there. And, uh, and, and sometimes he'll say, um, he'll say like Peter and the other apostle and he means himself. And it's, pro- it's probably himself who he's talking about. Um, the purpose of the gospel, he makes very clear. And this is uh, John 20, verse 31. It says, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Okay, there are several issues that were coming up in the late first century that um, I think are really kind of probably what inspired or motivated John to write a gospel. Um, I, there, there was one is, of course, the issue that all Christians had out there spreading Christianity was, who is Jesus? You know, is he the Messiah or is he not the Messiah? Um, that, that was issue number one from the beginning, right? We see that actually in the gospels, of course, because the Old Testament talks is full of predictions of the Messiah. And, and Jesus claimed to be the Messiah. So that's the first thing. And that's, and he says that right there so that they, so that people would believe that Jesus is the Messiah and the Son of God, that, that he is from God. He was sent by God. Um, that is one of the original purposes because why? That was being questioned. You know, is Jesus the Son of God? Is he, is he really the Son of God? Even moving from the, from the Jewish world to the Gentile world, because being a son of a god is not a new idea for Gentiles. I mean, that's that's what Hercules was, right? He was supposed to be a, a son of Zeus, and and um, for you modern moviegoers, uh, Wonder Woman's supposed to be the daughter of Zeus, right? That so being the child of a god is not a new idea, and and they had to prove because a lot of people were supposedly child, children of God, 
and and they were mythical and then you know there wasn't there wasn't necessarily a a, a a reality story there there wasn't it wasn't real but this is something that is real so they so he had to make that clear that he really is the son of god and that by believing in him that you may have uh life in his name that he is the way to have life and it's un, and it's important to note that there's in greek there's two different kinds of words for life now the, and i just flipped the, i jumped over this but the new testament was written in greek so all these gospels were originally recorded in greek even though they're jews they're recorded in greek because greek was the lingua franca the the common language that everybody spoke it kind of tied the whole the known world which was the roman empire which was the mediterranean world it's the language everybody spoke today it, it probably is english you can go just about anywhere in the world if you speak english and communicate with somebody somebody speaks english and anybody any part of the world that where you have educated people they most likely speak english they they either uh, were educated in an english speaking university or their university taught classes in english or textbooks were in english so but back then it was greek so they're written in greek there's two words for the word life when i say bringing by believing in jesus by following him you would have life there's bios as in biology or biography um and there's soe soe and that is life but more like the quality of life like a like when we say what a great life we don't mean the physical part we mean that its essence is 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 good it's great it's fantastic right the quality of your life the the that you've got a, some of you say somebody's got a good life they don't mean that their cells are working fine they mean that that the the quality of the of their existence is high and that's when jesus says i have come to bring give life right life to the full that's what he means and that's the word he uses zoe and that's the word here is that that God is giving us Zoe through Jesus. He's giving us life as it should be lived, right? So, but that's the purpose. He's very upfront from why, why, why was this book written? So that we could put our faith in Jesus. That's why. And so the book has that purpose. So when you read it, that, that it's the, it's the very reason why we so often recommend people to start with John because John is a great introduction, introduction to Jesus. And helps people's faith grow, right? There's a central theme, and that is that Jesus is the divine Son of God who reveals the Father, providing eternal life to all who believe in Him, right? That He is, He's not, He's, he's not just a prophet. He's, He's not just a, a great teacher. He's not a real, just, just a really good rabbi. He's a good speaker. He's much more than that. He is the, the divine Son of God. And that, that John makes very clear right from the beginning. And hopefully we'll get at least to the first paragraph where he comes out swinging, so to speak, that Jesus is God, that Jesus, he's not just the divine son. He's not just the son, but he's the divine son. He is God and God's son. You know, a lot of you know the, the little fish sign uh, that a lot of people have, they'll have it on their bumper or they'll have it stuck on their car or something like that. And, 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 and the funny thing is most people don't know why, why that's there. Why did that become 
a symbol for Jesus. The reason that became a symbol for Jesus is because the Greek word ixtos, okay, it's, uh, if in English it would be I-X-T-H-U-S, uh, ixtos is, that's the Greek word for fish, but it's an, also an acronym, acronym, excuse me, Jesus Christ, Son of God. Ixtos, Jesus Christo Theos Huios. Okay, Sopater, so, Jesus, Jesus, Christo, Christ, Theus, God, Huios, Son, Sopater, Savior. So, Jesus Christ, God, Son, and Savior. So, it has, kind of has the whole theology in one word. And, uh, there's a, there's a, there's a myth, it's kind of a cool myth. I, I don't know if it's historically accurate. It's a cool story if it's not, but maybe it was. Where if you wanted, if you went into a town, you wanted to find Christians, you would go and you'd make an ark and you'd leave it there and you'd stay there. And then if a Christian came by, they'd come and they'd finish the ark making the fish sign. Ixtus, right? That you're believers in Jesus Christ, God's son and savior. Um, so that's pretty cool. But, uh, the key verse and key verse meaning that this is kind of the key to everything written in it is John 3 16. Uh, no, it's not an NFL verse. It's, it's the verse that has, has just been a classic verse forever. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That's whomsoever should believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Sorry, it's cut off there. But, um, again, it's all about having faith in Jesus. And, and again, as I've said in some of these other lessons, when we say faith or believe, it's it's not the English just believe as in an intellectual acknowledgement. It's faith. It's pistos. It's it's putting your faith in God, which in the concept, the biblical concept of faith is much more than belief. It's trusting. It's it's putting your hope in. It's relying on. It's depending on. It's just much richer, much deeper than just oh yeah, I believe in Jesus. Um, because keep in mind. The devil believes in Jesus, but that doesn't save him. Um, it's not just belief. It's trusting and obeying. It's much richer than that. Um, John's gospel portraits, sorry, I keep saying portraits. It was, it should say portrait. You know, uh, you know, the basic outline is very simple. John's got a very simple outline. Uh, there's the prologue, um, chapters one. That's all in chapter one. Then about halfway through chapter one, we, we go into the book of signs. You know, the, Every miracle Jesus performed says something about him, right? It, it actually points to him. And, um, and, and that was very strategic in the book of John. I should say every miracle highlighted in the book of John, um, points to him, says something about him. Uh, the book of, from chapter 13 to chapter 20, it's the book of glory where, where Jesus is fulfilling his mission and going to glorify God through it. And then the epilogue, chapter 21, 1 through 25. Um, and, and it kind of wraps it up, sums up everything. So John is very unique. Um, there's some things that are very different about John than the others, as I mentioned before. And the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the emphasis is the Galilean, uh, uh, in the first part of Jesus' ministry in John's gospel, it's, it's considerable movement between Galilee and Judea and really a much bigger emphasis on the latter part of his ministry. Uh, there's little info in the synoptic gospels. If all, if we didn't have John, 
we really wouldn't know how long Jesus' ministry lasted. Um, there's only really one Passover recorded in the synoptics, but in John's gospel, there's at least three, and you could argue a fourth one, but there's at least three, so that gives us three years. Passover is what we Christians celebrate as Easter. Um, you know, we celebrate Easter, the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus was actually fulfilling the Passover. The Last Supper was the Passover meal. And, and this is, you remember the story of Moses when the angel of death passed over the people and, and, um, and it was by the blood of the lamb they were saved. And of course, that's the blood of Jesus and there's a direct connection. But we know and through John's gospel that there's at least three Passovers. So we know it was at least three years. That's how we get the 30 to 33 years old. Um, in, in, in the synoptic gospels, he teaches mostly in parables. Most of the writings, parables, stories that Jesus told. In John's gospel, it's long speeches and dialogues. You don't get some, you don't get the parables. You get speeches. You get sermons. Uh, in, in the synoptic gospels, the focus is more the kingdom of God. You get a lot of healings, exorcisms, the dawn of a new era and the eschatological salvation eschatological, just a fancy word for saying the end, how to be saved in the end. Eschatos in Greek is the end. Eschatological is about the end times um, and being saved in the end times. In the Gospel of John, it focuses more on the signs and the miracles that reveal his identity. There's no exorcisms in John. It's, it's, he focuses. Now that doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that John's saying it didn't happen. It's just John didn't focus on it. You know, if you think about like if if you've ever wrote a report about a vacation or you ever, you know, wrote something about a trip you went on. I mean, you, you have to pick what what events you're going to talk about and what that says about the trip. Right. Well, imagine a three year road trip, you know, for three years you're on a road trip and, uh, you know, you're trying to write about that and you learned a ton and you traveled all over and you were with Jesus for three years. If you were writing a gospel about your three years with Jesus, it would be hard to know, okay, well, what do I say about him? You know, what stories do I tell? What miracles do I tell? What do I want people to know about Jesus? Since they have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what would I add to that? You know, if I was, if I was going to write a a gospel. So that's kind of how you think of, okay, so they all had Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So John's gospel is very purposely different. It's filling in blanks and and telling us things that we didn't necessarily get so clear. I would say meeting a need. For example, um, by the end of the first century, there were groups, splinter groups, that were calling themselves Christians that weren't part of mainstream Christianity. There were other groups. In the early days, there was only one group. Everybody, if you were a Christian, you all belonged to the same group. All of a sudden there's these split off groups like the Gnostics or the Pharisee party or different Christians who believe different things. And there were people calling themselves Christians that weren't necessarily following the teaching of the apostles. And so all of a sudden it becomes an issue. Well, are you really a Christian or are you not a Christian? Is everybody who says they're a Christian a Christian? What you will notice is that in, if you ever sit down to show somebody what did Jesus say about who a Christian is, they're all in the book of John. 
John clearly recorded whenever Jesus would say, this is what a Christian is. For example, John 8, 31, he says, if you hold to my teachings, then you know the truth, the truth will set you free, right? And he, and he says, this is how you will know that they are Christians, right? If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. So he makes that very clear. A real disciple is somebody who holds to his teaching. John 13, 34, just a couple of chapters later, he talks about, he talks about, uh, by my, by their love, you will know my disciples, right? So another time he makes it very clear, 35, excuse me. He says, um, that their love will show that they're my, they're disciples. So again, making it really clear, John 15, 8, he talks, John 15, he talks about the vine. He talks about, he talks about being connected and he talks about by their fruit, you will know them. You will know my disciples. So, so he, John made sure that when Jesus clarified who is a disciple, they were all in there. Because why? Well, because it's a question out there. So really, John's gospel is great for helping somebody become a disciple of Jesus because he, 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 he clarifies it. He makes it very clear. What does it mean? Um, major themes, not, there's things that are not in John's gospel that you just, you don't really notice because we're so used to reading all the others. There's, there's no account of his birth or his baptism or his temptation or his transfiguration or the agony in the garden, the virgin birth. There's no exorcisms, not casting out demons. Uh, usually hearing, healing and exorcisms are one. Uh, there's, there, the secrecy theme. Uh, you may have heard it, you may have never heard of that. Well, early in Jesus' ministry, Jesus did not use the term Messiah and he was always telling people to keep things a secret. He wasn't ready to be broadcast out there. He was trying to build his ministry before it caught on in huge crowds. I mean, think about it. You know, I remember in Miami, somebody saw the Virgin Mary in a window. A window washer was was washing a window. And you know how, you know, the, the cleaning solution, it creates a pattern sometimes. And it created a pattern that looked like the Virgin Mary. And I remember, because I lived in Miami, and there was... Cars were lined up for blocks to go and look at this. And this is like a pretty, you know, kind of miracle, like uh, really a miracle. It just, it looked like it. Or if you remember the, I think it was a French toast that looked like uh, Jesus and they sold it on eBay for like $7,000. I mean, people were lined up for blocks to see this window to see if they could see the Virgin Mary because everybody wants to see a miracle. Imagine if you were actually, if you were actually healing people, the blind could see and the, and you could actually cause the deaf to hear and you could feed people with a couple of fish, the crowds that that would draw. So early in his ministry, Jesus was very secretive. Don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. And you'll remember. You, you remember. Yeah, remember. I remember him telling them, "Don't say anything." And he told the guy in Decapolis, "Don't say anything." And then he went and told everybody in all ten cities. Um, and um, but John's not like that. John, on the other hand, is the opposite. This is John's emphasizing the latter part of Jesus' ministry when he was making it very clear who he was. All the "I am" statements when he was saying, "I am the bread of life. I am the way. I am the truth." I am the water. You know, he was, he was making very clear later on. He was making very clear who he was. That's what John emphasizes. Again, why? Well, in a, when you live in a world where everybody's arguing over who's Jesus, it's nice to have the book of John. He makes it very clear 
because he focuses on when John, when Jesus was talking about that and when he was talking about who he is. So John's the solo gospel, you know, there's, there's no intro, there's no prologue. Uh, uh, I think I said Lazarus being raised from the dead. Um, uh, in the synoptic gospels, when Jesus clears the temple, that's kind of a trigger. There's a pace in the gospels, a pace and a focus. That's a trigger where boom, all of a sudden everything changes in the synoptic gospels. In John's gospel, it's not. It's actually right at the very beginning, letting us know kind of who Jesus is and what he was like. Um, there's a different emphasis on what part of his ministry, uh, some of the things that are very cool about the John's gospel, the four times he uses the word monogenes or the monogenito of God, you know, we're in, in, which is the, 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 the one unique son of God. I mean, in a, in a general sense, we're all called children of God, right? We're all children of God. We're all, we're all his, his, his children. But Jesus gets the title in the Gospel of John, monogenitus, um, which is the one child of God or the, the begotten child, the begotten one of God. Um, this is the one that, the one that came from God, which we don't get that title. You know, we're more like adopted children of God because he loves us. He chose us. But Jesus is from God. So he's the monohenatos. Um, there's another word, the aposynagogos, aposynagogos. And that's the, to be put out of the synagogue. And, and by this time, when John's gospel was written, there was already a growing tension between the Jews and the Christians. And you remember in the early days, all the Christians were Jews. And then they were converting more and more Gentiles, meaning non-Jews. And the church was becoming more and more a Gentile church. And there was more and more tension between the Jews and the Christians, even though the Christians were still all led by Jews. But the Jews were making it very clear that, no, no, they are not of us. They are not our group. And they didn't want to be associated with Christians. They were called the Nazarenes or the 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 um, the people from Christus. Christus is what the Romans called us. Um and, and and it became very very separate, and even and that is even reflected in John's gospel because he says the Jews. That's a term, you know. You don't see that so much in Mark, but you definitely see it later on because there's a separate. If you said the Jews early on, well, which Jews? The Christian Jews, the non-Christian Jews. But now the church is becoming much more Gentile, and we all know exactly what he means when he says the Jews, even though he's Jewish, but. But it's, it's becoming clear there's a distinction of which group. Sometimes, um, same events were positioned differently. Uh, it was late, the, the clearing of the temple, you know, it, it, in, in Luke's gospel, it comes in chapter 19, way down. Mark chapter 11, Matthew chapter 21. But in John's gospel, chapter 2, and that, now, now here's where you can't get, don't let yourself get tied up. Sometimes people like to, um, I'll say they like, they like to make a big deal and say, Oh, the Bible's inconsistent or it contradicts itself or it, it, it has, you know, parts that, that are, that are wrong or whatever, you know, and they'll point out to stuff like, like this. They'll point out to, well, in John, you know, the Jesus went and cleared the temple. That was chapter two at the beginning of his ministry. 
But in Matthew, it was late in his ministry. In Mark and Luke, it was late. So one of them is lying. No, no, none of, one of them is not lying. There are, in Jewish literature, the emphasis is more important than the timeline. So it, what is more important, what is key to the narrative, it's, it's not so important that everything be chronological. It's more important that it's set up the right way. So if we went to the mall and I went to Macy's and then I went over to uh, Target and I got robbed at Target, when I get home and I'm going to tell my wife, you'll never believe what happened to me. I'm not going to say, I went to Target and then I went to Macy's and then I got robbed. I'm just going to walk in and say, I got robbed. Now, later on, I might say, yeah, I went to Target and I picked up this, this, and that. Because that's the bigger issue. That's the issue I want to emphasize when I'm telling my story. It doesn't mean I'm a liar. It doesn't mean I didn't, I wasn't really there and I made it all up. It's just that's what was more significant. So you see a lot of that. So that's why sometimes events will happen in a different order in, in John than some of than the synoptic gospels. And then lastly, um, we're going to close out here with, you know, John 1, 1, it, you know, he says, in Arche, <clears throat> in Greek, that's how it starts out. I love this, um, because in Arche means in the beginning. And in Genesis chapter 1, that's how Genesis started. In Arche. And Genesis says, in Arche Theos, in the beginning, God. And John chapter 1, it says, in Arche Logos. In the beginning, the word. And clearly, now you got to remember, most people didn't read back in the first century. So they're all listening to this being read to them. So when somebody's reading it, and 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 the, again, because the common language was Greek, most people listen to the Greek translation of the Bible. So that's the Septuagint. It's called the Septuagint. So the Septuagint, which they all grew up hearing, and Archehotheos. And, and then all of a sudden you hear the Gospel of John. In Archehologos. In the beginning. I mean, even to this day, if, if you hear anything, you're going to watch a movie and it says, in the beginning. You know they're referencing the Bible. You know they're, they're somehow tying this into Genesis. Clearly, John's Gospel starts with Genesis 1. It starts with tying Jesus into the very beginning. In other words, Jesus didn't just show up a couple years ago. Jesus is from the beginning. And in Archeologos and Archeotheos, it's the same statement. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, the Word. You know, and, and ties him right to the beginning. Uh, I'm out of time. I've gone a little long just with the introduction, but it's good to have an idea of what, where we're going and what we're doing. And when we come back, uh, we'll take it and we'll jump right into John chapter one. We're ready to rock and roll one. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. When we go through it in detail, it's so rich. It's like a, it's like a treasure box and I can't wait to open it and start pulling out all the diamonds and rubies and, and, and jewels that come out of, out of actually just digging into the word. But, the, the bottom line is John is unique. It's written with a specific purpose to build our faith in Jesus, to help us focus on Jesus, and to be able to have life 
and salvation from Jesus because we know exactly who he is. So thank you so much. Um, that, that concludes, uh, the study for today. God bless you. Be safe. Be secure. Please, uh, go to Metro LA and especially if you're a member of the region, please go and register so I can have your email, send you information. I'm going to send outlines. I'm going to send, uh, uh, some of the notes for some of the classes I'm doing in the future. So, uh, please do that. And don't forget to join us for Easter. Uh, we will be April 12th at 11 a.m. right here in English and at 12 p.m. in Spanish. Easter online. Thank you and God bless you. You've just listened to the Metro LA podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit MetroLARegion.com.